Well, good morning. Fresh off of Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully you guys had enough turkey. Did everybody get enough turkey to eat last weekend? I sure know I uh, did. We're also fresh off our vision series as we celebrate what's been a spectacular year here at Millington Baptist Church. Thank you especially to Pastor Bob for stepping up to preach on Vision Sunday. Bob, you did an awesome job, by the way. I did watch afterwards, so thank you for that. On behalf of our family, I want to extend thanks for all of your care, prayer, thoughtfulness, handshakes, hugs. You all have been just wonderful. Sometimes your pastor needs a little pastoring too. So we appreciate you helping us in this season of grief. Thank you. Now, with that said, we come to the last month of the year in our final series for Advent, which means I think we're less than four weeks away from Christmas. Now, uh, I don't know if you realize what that entails, but that entails a lot of things. We're, we're going to be having some Christmas parties, Christmas uh, cookies, apparently, and of course, nonstop Christmas music. I'm sure you've already started to hear uh, the music. I thought it would be appropriate as we begin this series to have a little musical time together, and I thought it'd be kind of fun to sing one of the traditional songs of the season. Are you ready? Let's do this. Let's kind of sing together. Uh, Here we go. Everybody together now. I know you know the tune. Nice and loud, loud and proud. Here we go. Ready? All out the holly. Come on, I can't hear you. Spirit falls again. Sound great. Keep it going. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Cut, cut. Just, just stop up there. Are you guys reading what you're singing here? Take away the festive music and the upbeat tempo, and this looks like a panicked Christmas to-do list to me. Haul out the holly. Uh, put up the tree before I my spirit falls again. Fill up the stocking. I may be rushing things, but deck the halls again now, for we need a little Christmas right this very minute. Brothers and sisters, I think these lyrics capture for me what is the stress and the strain of this time of year. A couple of lines later, the song says, I've grown a little colder grown a little sadder, grown a little older. Boy, I can just hear the festive cheer there, can't you? (laughs) Truthfully, I think this song really is insightful. If we're honest, a lot of us have felt that way this time of year. All the tasks, all the commitments, all of the in-laws. The way that we can do Christmas is exhausting. Uh, We're often caught caught up with hauling out the holly and and filling up the stocking so much that we, we miss the true essence of what Christmas is all about. Sometimes we focus instead on the stuff we give and, and get rather than the true essence of this, this season. But this year, and in this series specifically, we want to do everything we can not to miss Christ this Christmas, not to lose sight of what Christmas is all about. On that very first Christmas 2,000 years ago, did you know almost everybody missed it? Think about that. God Almighty, the Alpha and the Omega, came to earth, stepped down from infinity into humanity, and many, many people missed it. They missed the wonder and awe of God with us and God among us and God beside us. 
of all the people alive at that time, only a handful of people really got it. Everybody else missed it. So this year, we want to help each other slow down and breathe deeply and not rush by Christmas. What if instead of being bystanders, mere spectators of the Christmas story, we could enter into it and experience it together? Imagine how powerful that could be. Today, we want to start a four-part series called The Advent Conspiracy that helps us do that. We're joining with thousands of other churches across the country to take back Christmas from what it has become and, and return it to what it was meant to be. Now, when you hear that title, you might be thinking, what kind of crazy sermon series title is that, Advent Conspiracy? It sounds kind of frightening. I mean, what is this, like Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, or what are we doing here? Well, let me explain the, the name of the series, and those two words are pretty simple. The word Advent just means coming or, or arrival in the Latin, and it looks back both to the first coming of Christ, but it also looks forward to Him coming again. And so Advent historically refers to this four-week time period where we set aside time for prayer and for reflection and to prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ. It's a season that's meant to help us slow down and, and focus intentionally on Jesus' birth. And so these next four weeks are kind of a spiritual journey of sorts. Now, you might ask, why that word conspiracy? When I think of conspiracy, I think of things like, you know, who killed JFK and UFOs landing and uh, strange things like veggie burgers. <laughs> there is some kind of new plant-based sausage at Dunkin' Donuts. What is going on with that? That seems like a conspiracy to me. I, the word conspiracy, though, is more nuanced than that. It's a word not just for those preppers out there today. It's a word that means to subvert an established system to act in harmony toward a common end. I think this definition is especially fitting for this series. The Christmas story itself is a subversion that opposed the empire and the systems of its day. Christ followers come from a long line of conspirators. Jesus came to turn this world upside down with a revolution of grace and love. And so this year, we want to conspire together to approach Christmas a little bit differently. We want to act together toward a common end. Now, what is that end? To not miss Christmas. Amen. To not miss Christmas. Amidst all the chaos, to actually experience the wonder of God with us and God beside us and God as one of us. And so I have an invitation for you as one of your pastors this morning and this month. Let's make a deal. Let's not... Let the stress and busyness call the shots this season. Let's instead slow down, breathe a little deeply, and let's not rush by the nativity. And let's worship fully the Savior who is born. Over the next four weeks leading up to Christmas, we'll talk about four strategies. Worship fully, spend less, give more, and love all. Can we say those four strategies together? Worship fully, spend less, give more, love all. Now, don't misunderstand. This is not a four-point checklist that automatically helps us do Christmas right. It's not a formula, and it's not even really about being so upset with the commercialization that our culture so employs and how they've co-opted Christmas. Rather, it's a way to think about taking in the greatest story ever told. It's ironic to me, isn't it, that the time of year where I should be most able to focus on Christ is sometimes the hardest time of year to do so. And so today we're going to begin where we should always begin if we're going to alter a direction. 
that we've been traveling. We're going to start here in week one by remembering to worship fully. And to do that, I want to invite you into the story of Christmas. And instead of looking at Christmas from inside the mall, I want to look at it with you from inside the manger. Let's see and experience this first Christmas through the eyes of people who didn't miss it so that you and I don't miss it either. And so I want to look with you at Luke chapter 1 and 2 and look at through the three different lenses of Mary, the angels, and the shepherds. And from each of these examples, we will learn how we cannot miss Christmas also. But let's ask for God's help. And we want to begin by praying together. Can I just invite you to stand and, and, and just take on a posture of prayer that's as ancient as we know, and it's just kind of palms up towards, towards the sky and towards heaven, uh, communicating two things, letting go, uh, letting go of whatever you brought in with you today, whatever kind of day or week that you're having, releasing baggage and stress and anxiety. And, and secondly, it's a posture of receiving. It's, it's whether you came in today with high expectations or no expectations, it's a posture and an invitation that says, God, I, whatever you have for me today in your word, I, I'm here to receive. So with that posture, let's pray together. God, we, we bow our heads, we close our eyes, we lift our hands to you. You're the creator of us all. As we begin this holy season of Christmas filled with hope of the coming of the Messiah, would you now quiet our hearts to hope in you? Would you quiet our minds that are so distracted, help us to focus and worship fully, to love you more dearly, to see you more clearly. Help us to slow down and, and to be like Mary who treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The story of Christmas begins with the perspective of Mary. Uh, the gospel that's most clear about the Christmas story is the gospel of Luke. Luke was a first century physician, a follower of the Lord Jesus. And he begins this gospel kind of this way, saying, hey, I've heard all these stories. I've met all these people. I've talked to John. I've talked to Peter. I've traveled around with that guy, Paul, for a long time. Um, I'm, I'm part of this new exciting movement, but somebody really should write all this down. And so um, that's what Luke sits down to do. But first, he interviews everybody about everything. And all the eyewitnesses, he meets with them, and he puts down what is, what, you know, for us, what is the most chronological, orderly account of the life of Christ that we have in terms of the Gospels. And then one day, church history tells us that he traveled up to Ephesus, where Mary was residing in her latter years. And he interviewed Mary and said, tell me what it was like at the very beginning. Can you imagine that conversation with Luke and Mary? She says, well, around the year 4 or 5 BC, I was a teenage girl. Uh, scholars say she was probably between 13 and 16 years old. And, and here's what happened, Luke. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and, and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. That's so unbelievable. She is visited by an angel. No big deal, right? And he explains to her what's going to happen. He says, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him what? Jesus. Now, the angel goes on to say that this child will, will one day be a great king, over every nation, and his kingdom will never end, literally never end. It's unreal. Now understand this. Mary is not only young. 
She is not married yet, and she's poor, really poor. She has next to no social status. She's from a city that nobody cares about. When she asked the angel how this is all going to happen, he explains the baby will be conceived through the Holy Spirit. Okay, time out. For those of us who are familiar with this story, this part is easy to miss. Just stop and imagine if, if this was you getting that news. I just want you to imagine you are a teenage girl. And in your house, you're there minding your own business, scrolling through your Instagram before dinner time, and then all of a sudden, this glowing heavenly being shows up in your room. And, and, and his first words are, don't be afraid. Oh, okay, thanks for the advice. Glowing, supernatural being in my room. Uh, Mary knows to be pregnant out of wedlock would be more than shameful in her village. It would be a death sentence. It would bring shame to her family and most certainly to her future husband. I can only imagine the worry and anxiety she felt in this moment. But her response is absolutely beautiful. She doesn't let her fear sway her from accepting what God has. She responds by worshiping fully. Just, just look at her song of praise. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Amen. Now, this song of Mary is called the Magnificat because she magnifies God. Yes, God, who has visited her through this angel. Now, this is so incredible. We have to pause and just think about this. Just imagine the creator of the cosmos chose from all of his galaxies and stars, one tiny rock of a planet on which he would enter human life in the most natural of ways, through the womb of a willing teenage girl. The, the, the mystery of this moment is mind-bending. This child will be conceived of the Holy Spirit, and he will be both fully man and fully God. The one who made man will be made man. The creator himself will enter his own creation. Amen. Charles Wesley said, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Amen. This is impossible for us to fully grasp. I, I used to love to watch this TV show on the Discovery Channel called how it's made. You guys like that show? You, you watch that show and they show you like what's going on in a factory or they like look in the inner workings of a lock or something or some sort of like, you know, machine and you're kind of like, oh, that's how they do it or that's how they make that product. It's really fascinating to me to watch that show. Brothers and sisters, the incarnation of Jesus Christ will never be on that show. No one has ever been able to fully grasp or explain the mystery of God becoming man. It's such a paradox. To, to quote the book, The Advent Conspiracy, uh, they say this, Mary's worship begins with the ultimate paradox. A young girl, unwed and without power, influence, or wealth, cradles within her womb the divine power of the universe. 
this great mystery, though, though there's so many unknowns and uncertainties, causes her to worship even in the midst of the unknown. See, one of the things I love about the scriptures is that they are filled with normal people like you and me, accounts of individuals who choose to worship in the midst of the mystery, in the midst of their own uncertainty and their own worries and pain and, and their own unknowns. And so this communicates to us a profound truth as well. We are invited to worship fully even in the midst of the uncertainty. See, my lack of understanding in no way disqualifies me from worship. Our lives this Christmas may not be exactly as we planned, or they may not look precisely like we hoped, but we can choose to worship in the midst of this uncertainty. Mary chose to worship. She made that choice. Don't miss this. Worship isn't merely a part of a Sunday gathering or even exclusively limited to singing songs. Worship is a choice. It is, it is volitional. Worship is an act of my will. Worship is a decision. Mary chose to worship God and worship fully. Amen. You know, one of the things that we've done in the last few weeks is stand around my mother-in-law's bedside and sing lots and lots of worship songs together. Some of her favorite hymns. Even in the midst of all of that uncertainty, we chose to worship. Someone would say, how about this song? Yeah, okay, let's do that song. And we encouraged each other, but we also encouraged her in the Lord. We just chose in that moment to turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth would grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. So how about you? Can that be your story today, perhaps this year you're facing some uncertainties of your own and you're having trouble worshiping God. But can we find ways to give praise to the God who loved us enough to send his son? That's the conspiracy. Will we conspire together to not allow our circumstances to, to distract us from worship, to, to look full in his wonderful face together through every season? We don't need a little Christmas we need to choose worship in the midst of uncertainty. Amen. Movement two, as we pause and enter into this story of Christmas, we, we also find two groups of individuals. We have shepherds and angels, and it's, it's a little strange that they're together. It's actually amazing. The story goes on to say, Mary and Joseph went traveling to Bethlehem for this census, and um, that was happening at that time. And, and then th this is what Luke chapter two records. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were, what? Shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, in those days, shepherds were kind of like outcasts, especially outcasts from the religious system. They were always ceremonially unclean, always ceremonially unclean. You know that show with Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs? Shepherding was like the original dirty job. These guys would move from place to place, never really having a proper home. They lived apart from normal society. They were always on duty, protecting their sheep from predators. They faced danger at every turn, and they weren't well compensated for it. 
There weren't Facebook groups for shepherds to connect with one another. There weren't huge community of groups of shepherds swapping, shepherding best practices on the interwebs. Being a shepherd was not an easy job. So here's these shepherds with all sorts of undesirable tasks and responsibilities, and watch what happens. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, if you were in charge of the PR campaign in heaven, and they said, how do we want to roll out the coming of the Son of God into the world? Is this the strategy that you would have recommended that they employ? Imagine if Christ's birth happened today. Imagine the people with the the dirtiest, least glamorous, most undesirable jobs in our culture. Imagine the people who live on the fringes, disconnected and often alone. No one would expect them to play a prominent role in the Christmas story. But yet, what's so interesting is that when God decided to show up, he doesn't show up with the high rollers in downtown Manhattan. He shows up to the sweatshop in Honduras. God shows up to the least likely people in the world, and he says, I have good news. Isn't that cool? And then it says, today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Notice that phrase, to you meaning to you, you guys, the shepherds who are basically the outcasts, to you, you who aren't included in anything religious, to you, the lowest guys on the totem pole, to you who are always serving those at the top of the food chain, a savior has been born to you. The angels remind us that this good news is good news to you. The next principle about worshiping fully is that we can choose to worship fully even though we are spiritually unclean. See, a lot of times I think, I can't really come to worship God because I'm not worthy. Maybe he loves you, but there's that thing that I've done and I'm not too sure that I qualify. But the truth is, it's God who's the one who makes us worthy. Through the sacrifice of Christ, he will take the unclean and make them clean. He'll take the unworthy and make them worthy. He will take that which is on the outside and bring you on the inside. Because he became one of us. Joseph Damien was a 19th century missionary who ministered to people with leprosy in Hawaii. Those suffering grew to love him and revered the sacrificial life he lived out before their eyes. One morning, Damien was to lead daily worship when he was pouring some hot water into a cup, when the water swirled out and fell onto his bare foot. It took him a moment to realize that he had not felt any sensation. Gripped by the sudden fear of what this could mean, he poured more hot water on the same spot. Again, no feeling whatsoever. Damien immediately knew what had happened. As he walked tearfully to deliver his sermon, 
no one at first noticed the difference in his opening line. He normally would begin every message, my fellow believers. But this morning, he began with these three words, my fellow lepers. In a greater measure, the God of all creation came into our world knowing what it would cost him and bore in his pure being the marks of evil that we might become pure. He bore in his sinless soul the weight of my sin so that I could be forgiven. That's good news. I don't know what kind of mess you made out of your life, but I know this long before you made out a mess, mess out of your life, God made a mess out of his life for you. That's the good news. Because I am spiritually unclean, I needed a savior born to me. This is the conspiracy I want to invite you to be a part of. So much of Christmas is about appearance these days. It's about looking good and getting the right thing, buying the, just the right gift and making sure my house is set up just the right way and making sure that everything's perfect, perfect, perfect with the decorations. And if I'm not careful, nothing wrong with all that stuff, but if I'm not careful, I forget the good news that God came to shepherds who were not all right. We are not okay. I know that book says, I'm okay, you're okay. I don't think that's right. I am not okay. I, I, am, I am not a house that just needs a little Christmas decorating to make me just perfect. I'm not even a fixer-upper. I am a complete gut job. This is the good news that our Savior came to deliver. God has made a way to make all things new. No more let sin or sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. The story goes on to say this. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Even the angels in heaven are fully worshiping. Glory to God in the highest, meaning the highest glory and praise belongs to God and God alone. See, here's the thing about worship. We're all choosing to worship something. The question is not if we are worshiping. The question is what? And whatever I ascribe ultimate worth to, that is my functional God, whether or not I refer to it as that or not. The question I have to ask myself is not if I'm worshiping. It's is that thing that I'm worshiping and trusting in worthy of my worship? Christ alone deserves my allegiance and worship. Angels we've heard on high, sweetly singing over the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. Gloria in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest. Now, can you imagine this scene? There are amazing things happening here, but I, what, what I don't want you to miss is the shepherd's response to all of this. Look where it says this. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. It goes on to say, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed 
at what the shepherds said to them. Did you catch the fact that the shepherds left everything behind? They left their tasks and their responsibilities for a moment. They left everything aside to pursue this Jesus. They chose to come and worship the Savior by joining the community of those huddled around this manger in Bethlehem, of all places. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. So the shepherds go and find this baby, and here's the lesson we learn from them. We too can choose to worship fully, even in the midst of the busyness. I know we all feel the weight of the responsibilities and the pressure of tasks that need to be done, especially in a season like this. It can feel wrong to step away at times, but that's what we must do. The shepherds took a step of faith. They experienced something that took their breath away. They found a king who offered a completely different vision for their lives. They stepped away from their isolation and their busyness, and they chose to join in community for worship. You and I can do the same today. We don't need a little Christmas. We need to choose to worship even in the midst of the busyness. One last verse about Mary. It says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What a beautiful expression of the feelings of a mother. The word treasured there means to keep and guard something of great value. The word pondered there means to weigh and piece things together. In other words, she began to put together all the precious news and precious promises And as she's processing all that she's heard and seen and everything that just happened with the angels and the shepherds and Joseph and now this new baby, she's treasuring all of this truth in her heart. Can you just imagine Mary explaining this to Luke decades and decades later? Saying, you know, I was treasuring these things at the time and pondering them. I thought about them and then I rethought about them and I rehearsed through the details over and over and over, Luke. I I felt these things deeply, Luke. And then one day, about 33 years later, I watched my firstborn son die. Wow. And then about three days after that, I peered into an empty tomb. And I came eyeball to eyeball with my son resurrected from the dead. And at that point, I realized that my son was actually my savior and the savior of the whole world. And at that moment, she knew everything the angel had told her was right. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. God sent a savior to the world to save us from our sins. Would you treasure these things and ponder them in your heart? As we close this message and begin this season of Advent, let me encourage you to be a co-conspirator with me. Let's conspire together to not miss Christmas. I'll offer you four practical suggestions. You may have your own. Number one, 
consider reading the Advent Conspiracy devotional. There's an online devotional that goes along with this series. Go to adventconspiracy.org. It's very rich and full, and we'll post some of that on our church social media outlets. Second, listen to the Advent Conspiracy playlist on Spotify. If you have Spotify, there's a great playlist there. You can subscribe to some of the most awesome Christmas worship songs. Uh, it's got some of my favorites on there. But when you listen, just take some time out. Take a five-minute time out and just take those lyrics in for everything they are. You know when you go to a symphony and just let the music just wash over you? Just let that beautiful, rich theology wash over you and take that into your heart. Third, consider taking a technology and social media night off with your family. Just one night, unplug the thing. Unplug the technology, get off social media. This world is so full of noise. You have to be intentional about quiet time during this Advent if that's going to be a reality for you and your family. And then last, read the Scriptures. Read the Christmas story. There is no substitute for reading God's Word for yourself. It's found in Luke 1 and 2. Maybe you want to put your family nativity set together and read together, or maybe you want to do that while you're setting up the tree, or maybe that's something you do on Christmas morning. Whatever you do, read God's Word during the month of December and let these things be treasured and pondered in, in your heart. May you choose to fully worship the one God who is with us and beside us and who became one of us. We don't need a little Christmas. We need Christ. Can I invite the worship team to come and help us dwell on these things more deeply in just a moment? And as they do, let's pray together. Our Father and our God, would you help us all this season to pause and to stop, to recognize in a fresh way this good news, this gospel announced from the angels 2,000 years ago. Would you help us to choose to worship in the middle of the uncertainty? Would you help us to choose to worship despite our uncleanness because you are the one who makes us clean? Would you help us to choose to worship in the middle of our busyness? Help us like Mary to treasure these things and to ponder them in our hearts. Help us not to miss the significance of Christmas. When we think about who this child was and is, we should stop, the whole world should stop and treasure and ponder him again and worship him fully. So God, we ask that you'd let it sink in. You'd, we'd ask that you'd help us to pause amidst all the hustle and the bustle and help us to sit at your feet and just dwell on the significance of Christmas together, our God with us. We pray all this name in we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.